My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. This is Steve from the Lost in Translation podcast. Um, I gotten crap for not introducing the boys on the last one. So, hey, fellas, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? <laughs> good, Sean. Sean M. No, did we hurt hurt any of your feeling feeling bones today, or what? All of the above. All of the above. I know we we missed you on, sample, a, on a sample. Not yeah. introduced. But Sean, no. Sean's the whipping boy of this podcast. Yeah. I feel good. Travis. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Travis, how are you? I'm doing well. Super excited. I need no introduction. You know, I'm just happy you guys are doing good today. It just, you know, just brightens up my life right now. Um, we have, we have a, uh, we have a really, really, really cool guest today. I'm actually going to let Sean Kincaid um, introduce the guest today just because I know that he's he's a big fan of this gentleman and he comes from the from the Irish whiskey kind of sphere so Kincaid take it away my friend thank you very much I feel honored um, today we have Mr. Brian Nation um, most people will know his name from the bottles coming out of Middleton Distillery um, he recently has left Milton and he moved all the way to the U.S. and he's now with O'Shaughnessy Distillery and they are releasing Keeper's Heart Whiskey. So we will be getting into Brian's whiskey journey like we do at the beginning of all our podcasts, kind of his history, how he got into it, how it's evolved and how he made the jump to the U.S. And then we'll go through some questions and discussion about his time in Ireland as well as the future and what entails everything in the United States. So Brian, um, do you just want to give us a little bit of background of how you came into the industry, how you got your start and kind of your history through Middleton and bringing you all the way to the United States now? Okay. Uh, thanks, Sean. Great to get the opportunity to, to be on the podcast and, and uh, looking forward to the next uh, while with you. Um, my background is chemical and process engineering. Um, so my diversion into whiskey making was probably by accident. Um, I expected that when I finished chemical engineering in college that I would have ended up in a pharmaceutical plant or an oil refinery, but I actually did both but didn't really uh, feel settled in either one of the roles. And an opportunity arose for me to go as an environmental engineer to Middleton Distillery in 1997, late 1997. And I took up that role and basically <laughs> stayed at Middleton Distillery from 1997 then until July 2020. So I took on a number of different roles. I was a project engineer after my environmental engineering role. Then I moved into production there I met Barry Crockett and worked very closely with Barry Crockett until who was the master distiller at the time until 2013. And I took over from Barry Crockett as master distiller then uh, until I and stay, remained as master distiller until I left in July 2020. That's awesome. Uh, obviously, the name Barry Crockett holds some pretty yeah. big weight in <laughs> Irish whiskey. I mean, two of us are drinking his namesake legacy from Middleton today. Oh, three of us. Um, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite Irish whiskeys of, of all time. I, I, not even Irish. It's my one of my favorite whiskeys ever. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, I actually have a personal connection to Middleton. Um, I work in the oil field in Northern Alberta. One of the electricians, he's from Cork and his dad actually worked at Middleton for decades. And uh, wow. his, his last name is Tracy. The guy I know is Ken Tracy, and he actually oh, started I his. Know. Yeah, I know his so, daughter. That his dad was Declan Tracy. That's it. Yep. So yeah, Ken actually oh, started wow. his his electrician apprenticeship at the distillery before he moved yeah. to Canada. And now now he works side by side with me in the oil field. So yeah, we we talk all the time. When I told him that you were coming on the podcast, he was super excited. He's like, oh yeah, I've met him. We had dinner. He come over to the house yeah. all the time. So yeah, Declan, it's, it's Declan, pretty cool. Declan Ken's dad was a fantastic person at the distillery. He was a great character. Uh, he's no longer with us now, but he was he was an amazing person. Really, really great guy. I learned an awful lot from Declan over the years, actually. Yeah, Ken, I mean, probably a chip from the old block, because Ken's one of my favorite people that I work with as well. Cool. Love those small world stories. Yeah, me is too. There, <laughs> is there, That's a super uh, small world. <laughs> Brian, when you said you started there, you were an environmental engineer, so you went there as an environmental engineer. What what was your role as the environmental engineer at the distillery? Well, it was the first time that the distilling operations were coming under the Environmental Protection Agency for license for licensing. So my first role was to help put together the uh, license application to get that license to distill. So it was really purely around um, understanding the, the emissions that were being produced at a distillery and quantifying them to ensure that when our license application went in that we would be able to operate afterwards. So it was, it was purely around environmental. And it, the only reason I got the role is that I had in my project in college, my final year project in college was part of that was I had to put together a, a pretend license application to the EPA for a, a license to operate. So I had, that, I had that bit of experience. So it was great. It was a great way in for me. And then just, uh, you know, I still didn't have any intention of ending up as uh, in production or anything like that. I just worked my way through the, the operation, just loved what I did, met some fantastic people and just grew in the role, in the different roles I was given. And ultimately, when I started working with Barry and built a relationship over the years, uh, you know, he was, he retired in 2013 and I took over from him. So it, it, a lot of it was, you know, being in the right place at the right time. If I had joined the distillery 10 years earlier, you know, or 10 years later, the opportunity to take over over his master the stiller possibly would not have been there so you know, i was very fortunate to to actually get through to, to to grow my way into the role and was really proud of everything we achieved there as as a team while i was there were you were you uh like a whiskey drinker did you have any idea how vast the world of whiskey was before you started there not really. Um, I don't think I really appreciated uh, what went into whiskey or appreciated the whole um, the whole tradition of whiskey making until I actually joined the distillery. You know, I would have been more more so a beer drinker. Um, I would have had the odd whiskey, but really didn't appreciate it. Um, and I would have, you know, it would have been more kind of, I, I probably at the time would have used mixers to damp taste and the flavor of the whiskey I was drinking rather than really appreciate the whiskey. So it's only really until I joined Irish Distillers that I started to, to appreciate both the flavors and taste profiles and also what went into making whiskey. 
Well, yeah, everybody who's been to college or been a 20 year old knows what a, what a shot of Jameson tastes like. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a great, so, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not, and have never been a great shot person. I do it if I have to, but not really great at doing it. <laughs> I, mar- I married a shot person that loves Jameson shots. So we tend, we tend to drain those bottles fairly often, <laughs> which, which I, which is always tough on everyone else around. <laughs> So, Brian, as a obviously an Irish whiskey nerd myself, um, I have a couple questions about your time at Irish Distillers. Um, one of them is, we always see on you know YouTube videos or shows when people visit the distillery that there's you know these vast warehouses with millions of casks laying down. And the one question I always have is, when distillate is coming off the stills, do you working there already know? what that's destined to be or do you just lay it down in specific casks and through going around and sampling casks then decide what's going to become jameson what's going to become you know the spot whiskeys or red breast or is it like basically the question is is decided when it's being distilled or is it long down the line on the process I think it's over time. It's a combination of both. I mean, particular styles go to different, go to particular brands, and then then different brands of different blends. So, you know, it all you're always producing to with the eye to what to what brands you're actually laying down. But you know, it all depends on the type of style that you're making at the time. So, not everything is completely earmarked because sometimes you're going to leave stuff longer in barrels because you want it to perform uh, to a certain way to to develop a different style so some of it might even be innovative styles that you're putting down or, or innovative barrels so it all depends on what you're doing perfect yeah I, I i had a feeling that's what it was kind of a combination of the both um through all the different brands and whiskeys that you helped develop and uh distill there do you have one specific bottling that is your favorite to come out of middleton well, I suppose I would have always loved um, Powers John's Lane Twelve Year Old. I think it's a it's it's a fantastic whiskey. Um, you know, I I just love the whole distillate characteristic and more distillate uh, distillate forward whiskey than it is. So that would have been something that I I really like. But you know, you you're obviously very proud of all of the 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 brands that you work with your with with the team on. So you know, from that point of view, it's very hard to separate one out of being a favorite bottling or, or a favorite blend or whatever but you know different times different choices different uh, different moments in life you probably choose different whiskies to drink and that's what i love about what i'm doing now as well is that you know we're producing a completely different taste profile of whiskies that we're bringing to the market that i'm really really excited about and really really proud about with keepers heart I think that's, yeah, that's, I know. that's a like, perfect segue yeah. right there, right? That's, yeah, <laughs> like as soon as, I, as soon as I heard and read that you had made the jump, obviously I piqued my interest. I was like, oh, this yeah. has got to be something really cool. And then um, like we've had um, Irish Whiskey Barry on our podcast way back at the beginning, and I know his uh, American Facebook group is teaming up with you guys to lay down their first fresh distillate and casks right away. So um, kind of being associated with that and uh, having talked to Barry, I, I keep a close eye on what's going on. I think it's super cool that, uh, you're, you know, you're willing to work with a group of Facebook whiskey nerds to, you know, put together a bottling specifically for them from start to finish. 
Yeah, well, I mean that that's been exciting for us as well because you know we when you're when you're a new brand starting from the ground up and you're a new distillery starting from the ground up, the support that you get from people that are really interested in what you're doing is great. So we'd like to we're proud to be partnering with them in order to do that that single barrel um, and that cast society because you know for us the more people that get to know about our whiskey, the more people that get to try our whiskey, that's all all better for us because that's what it's about. It's about bringing people, like a Keeper's Heart and O'Shaughnessy Distilling, our vision is, you know, bringing the best of both Irish and American distilling traditions together, but also about bringing people together and enjoying time over a glass of whiskey. And, you know, if you consider what has gone on over the last couple of years where everybody was being, you know, told to keep, stay apart from each other for safety and everything like that, there's never been a better time to get people to come together and enjoy a glass of whiskey and those lock-ins that are on sips and stories with with barry and all of that they've they've been fantastic you know so we're proud to be part of that yeah that's we're we're gonna we're gonna get obviously we don't have the whiskey yet but we we're gonna get into what you're making at o'shaughnessy and i think we're really we really want to dive into that because i've been reading some stuff and i'm pretty excited but just backtracking just a little bit, you're you're working at one of the biggest distilleries in Ireland, making some of the biggest brands in the world. Someone calls you. I've heard the stories, but I kind of want to hear your version of it. What what just propels you or prompts you to say, you know what? Now is the time. I'm going to uproot my whole family and move to Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I joke say that you know all my life I always wanted to move and live in Minnesota but obviously that wasn't that was never on my cards <laughs> no in, in my career so like if you if you spoke to me four years ago and said to me that I would be in 2022 living in Minnesota after moving my whole family leaving Irish distillers and and working on a new brand of whiskey I'd have said you were mad um but in November 2019, uh, a guy called Patrick O'Shaughnessy reached out to me on LinkedIn um, about this opportunity, building a, a distillery in Minneapolis and, you know, with an Irish twist to it. And I was intrigued by it. I, I certainly wasn't interested in moving at the time. Um, I was very happy where I was. So I, I don't know, like to this day, I still don't know what kind of grabbed my reason to respond to it because you would have been, you know, you would have got a lot of t- uh, LinkedIn messages over the years and you would just ignore them. But for some reason I responded to this and my response was, you know, I'm not actively looking for a role in any way, shape or form, but if there's something I can do to help you, give me a shout. So we followed up with a phone conversation. He he explained the the role and the, the, the philosophy and vision behind the, the, the distillery more clearly to me on the phone. And what was uh, expected to be a half an hour phone call, it was it was more like two hours, and it was interesting. And Patrick's passion was was uh, was very very evident. It was also evident that this wasn't just being done on a whim. They had himself and and Michael, his his cousin, had done a lot of research on what they were trying to achieve and develop. And the fact that it was it, it was related to bringing both Irish and whiskey distilling traditions together did actually you know peak my uh, in interest a bit more but again the end of the conversation was look you know i'm i'm very happy where i am um and you know if there's anything i can do to help you let me know so his conversation was his his parting comment was i'll be in ireland in three months would you meet me and i said yeah i will 
20 minutes later after coming off the call, I got a, a text message to say we're actually going to fly into Ireland in the next three days and we will meet you anywhere. I was kind of going, Jesus, right, okay, that's that's a quick turnaround from three months to three days. So ultimately they did. They they flew into Ireland. Um, there was Patrick, there was Michael, and there was Michael's dad, Jerry O'Shaughnessy. And myself and my wife met them for, again, a dinner that we expected would be an hour, an hour and a half. Um, but five hours later, we were still there chatting and didn't mention anything about whiskey. It was really just an instant connection around family, around what was important to us. And just, it was a very comfortable conversation. It was like as if we'd met each other before. There was no, uh, what would I say, um, parts of the of, of the dinner where there was awkward silences or anything like that. It just was, they were great people. And for me, that's the first reason I'm here is because of the people and because of the, the, the whole family values that they stand for and the way they have been extremely inclusive for, for not just me, but for my wife and my family in, in this big move over. Um, the second reason is, as I said earlier, the opportunity to build a brand from the ground up and build a distillery from the ground up. And thirdly, I think it's it was the style of whiskey that we were going to be doing. This was not, if somebody had said to me, just coming over to produce a, uh, another American whiskey or something like that, I probably would have said no. But the fact that this was trying to create a new taste profile, trying to bring the best of both Irish and American distilling traditions together, that really did spark my interest a lot. So in a long, in a long-winded um response it didn't happen overnight but you know we we finally got here as a family in july or in august 2021 um so it has been a long journey since since november 2019 but really really happy we made the decision and loving every minute of it that's really cool and it's like what i'm curious about is now that you're now that you're here you're you're situated and and production has started what are what are some of the differences between like you you went from one of the largest producers of the distillate in the world to now a obviously a smaller production craft like operation like what what are some of the pros and cons that you see of both well i suppose the 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 there's lots of differences, but there's very there's lots of similarities as well. Yeah. I mean, we all have a drive here to to produce as much capacity as we possibly can from our distillery. But yeah, I've gone from a distillery that was producing in excess of 60 million litres of alcohol a year to a distillery that can produce <laughs> 100,000, 600,000 litres of alcohol a year. So it is it is quite a difference. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, the what, what you need to do to get it right, it's, it's very, very similar. I mean, attention to detail, the finest quality of raw materials, the process itself, you need to bed in the process when you're commissioning a distillery, get used to your equipment, get used to the taste profile that you want to produce and get a consistency there. So all of that is very similar to what you would be doing in, in, in my previous role, albeit on a much smaller scale now. I think the level of innovation here in, in, in terms of what we're trying to produce and what we're trying to do creates an added uh, interest and an added excitement around what we're doing from day to day. So I love that part, I love that part of it. And if you think about what we're actually doing at the moment is that we have two sides to our business at the moment. We have a blending side where we're taking uh, 
sourced Irish whiskey, Irish pot still, and Irish grain whiskey from Great Northern Distillery and blending it with American rye whiskey that we source from MGP. And we've actually just launched this weekend the next edition of our, our Keeper's Heart, and that was the Keeper's Heart Irish Plus Bourbon Edition, where we're blending an Irish pot still and an Irish grain whiskey with an, uh, with an American bourbon whiskey. So here, so you've got that blending side and we can talk about them in, in, in a few minutes. But also then what we're doing is we're producing uh, American whiskey in the traditional Irish style of triple pot distillation. So we have three beautiful copper potsels at a distillery um, that are producing currently American single potsel, which is taking uh, a mash bill of malted barley and unmalted barley, distilling it three times in copper potsels and then maturing it in virgin American oak. So the virgin American oak is almost American that Irish tradition and then we're also planning to to produce you know pot distilled triple pot distilled rice and bourbons which are going to be new to market and new taste profiles so we're really excited about that side of what we're doing as well so with the obviously it's a brand new distillery built from the ground up how involved were you in the planning and construction of the stills themselves in the distillery process so I would have been, a lot of the, the, the initial design would have been done before I came on board. Um, but when I came on board, then I would have had made quite a lot of adjustments, particularly around the, the, the pot distillation side, because that was, I wanted to make sure that we had the flexibility and the ability to do the, the triple copper pot distillation in the true quintessential Irish style. So there was a lot of adjustments to the design that I had to make at that stage when I came in. Um, the pots themselves were already on order from um, four sites in Scotland, but was involved in the overall sizing of them at an earlier stage. So, you know, I was comfortable with what was coming there. But there was a number of adjustments that had to be made in, in, in terms of the process and the ability to flow from one pot still to the next, which are, which are intermediate distillates. Um, the the Calium stills that we purchased, you were effectively purchasing a system from Vendome. So when you were buying when you're buying a system, it's already established that system. You put in your own little intricacies at towards the end. So I was involved in a couple of them, but as regards the system and the sizing, that had already been done. And then in terms of the of the brewing equipment, would have been involved in designing the the louder ton and what came with the louder ton as opposed to just when I came on board, it was literally just a shell. And then we had to we had to put together what we wanted in the louder ton. So I was heavily involved. Unfortunately. Um, a big problem at the time was that I couldn't travel because of COVID. So we had hired a guy called Chris Silver, who has had experience in Stranahan's and Old Elk Distilling, but was, a, was also working in Indeed Brewing at, at Minneapolis. So he came on board. So he effectively was the eyes and ears for everything that was going on at the distillery in terms of the installation and in, in, in terms of working with the contractors from day to day. And he did a fantastic job with that. So we we were we were constantly in contact uh, around that whole operation. Awesome. Um, I just have a question about um, your role as the blender, um, and if there's any difference to you between like when you're at Irish Distillers blending there versus now blending with two completely different whiskey styles. Um, like, are there different challenges? between the doing those two different processes? 
There are. And, you know, it was a great learning curve for me because my main focus at Middleton would have been the whole kind of distilling side. And and that would have been where my male focus was. Obviously, there was a little bit involved in the the blending around Middleton, very rare and stuff like that. But the the majority of it would have been around the distillation. And being here and again, putting a blend together of something that has never really been done before, where you're bringing the, for the first time, the richness of Irish pastel whiskey and the boldness of an American rye whiskey together, coupled with some, you know, of the delicate nature of, of, of grain whiskey. That was a challenge in itself. Um, initially, putting the blend together, I would have thought we would have ended up with just, you know, a pot, a, a blend of a pot still and a rye whiskey. Um, but what was very interesting was that you couldn't actually get the two whiskies to coexist just with the two components together. They were always fighting against each other. You could never get a, a, a balance, a complexity and balance together. And it was only with the introduction of a small amount of grain whiskey that allowed the two, the, the two components, the two, uh, components of Potsil and Wright to actually coexist. And that in itself was a big learning curve for me, that the impact that the small amount of grain whiskey had on the overall balance and complexity of the whiskey. So is there a, what, what, a, what are the approximate ratios, Brian? Are you keeping that kind of secret? Is that, is that a I'm top not, secret I, ratio? I, I, I've had no drams yet. So uh, there are certain things I can tell you and there are certain things I just <laughs> will not tell you. So we know a, li- a little bit of, a little bit of grain. And then once we exactly, taste it, yeah. once we a taste it, a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out once we taste it. We'll give you our guesses. Exactly. How about that? Exactly. Oh yeah. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah. And if you get it right, I promise I want, tell you <laughs> so you're 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 currently to make this stuff obviously you're you're sourcing now from from uh, great northern and from mgp yeah. now once you once your liquid is ready and the casts are ready uh, do you plan to continue to obviously you're going to have to source some irish stuff but are you going to continue sourcing to give you more options for these blends yeah, so our intention is that for Keeper's Heart Irish American and for Keeper's Heart Irish Plus Bourbon, we're actually going to continue to source. Um, and we have built, you know, we've built good relationships with the guys in Great Northern and the guys at MGP. And we're currently, you know, we've done lay down contracts with them for out as far as 2025. Um, and we'll continue to do that. The reason being is that we want to produce any of the distillates that we produce at our distillery it's, it's themselves once they're mature and ready to be released we want to release them under the Keeper's Heart brand but as whiskies on their own that stand on their own because again they're going to be a different taste profile that that hasn't really been in the market and that for that we want them to stand on their own so our intention is that we will continue to source for for the, the Keeper's Heart Irish American and Keeper's Heart Irish plus bourbon Gotcha, yeah that's cool Yeah that is for sure and you have surrounded yourself by some, obviously some um, like people in the, in the American distilling industry. Um, like you said, Chris Suber helped kind of assemble the distillery and, and helped kind of setting up the operations, but also David Perkins from high West, I believe was involved and Kate, Kate Dorges as well from, she was down in old elk, right? I believe. So how, yeah. how did they, what, what kind of role did they play in, and uh, how did they help? To be honest with you, they have been like a, the team that we're, we've been very fortunate with the team that we have here. Uh, we have, we're developing a very, very strong, capable team at the distillery and people that have had lots of experience. So, I mean, the first thing is having David Perkins come on board with us. 
I know David for years. I never had actually worked with David, but when I came on board with O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company, David was had already had a conversation in the early stages with the O'Shaughnessy's, giving them advice on on how to go about building a distillery, etc. So when he heard I was on board, we had a we had a phone conversation, and uh, his reaction was, you know, I have unfinished business in whiskey. And I was kind of going, well, would you like to do some unfinished business with us? And I was, you know, I was thrilled with the idea that David would come, come on board with us. And he decided to come on board as a liquid collaborator. And he's also an investor in the business. And he has been instrumental in use like when, when you think of where David has come from, David really was uh, one of the main innovators in American whiskey over the years. He's the guy that was really bringing innovative blends to the American whiskey market, putting bourbon and rye together, blending American whiskey and Scotch whiskey together. So having him on board from an American uh, whiskey perspective and also from his innovative nature and thinking outside of the box nature has been a, a massive asset to us. And he's been really instrumental in all of the blends that we put together as well. And it's great that you have that American whiskey powerhouse actually uh, rubber stamping what we're doing because the one thing I didn't want was that all of the blends would be based just on Irish palates. So actually having somebody like David being involved in that is, it has been fantastic and he's been you know it's been a great collaboration with myself and David in terms of releasing the Irish plus bourbon as well which we're really excited about yeah he, and, he's definitely been a influential sorry if I could stop on David Perkins he's like I just he's one of the people in this industry that I've really respected what he's done because he was the sourcing we've, we've had this conversation about how sourcing was such a bad word in in the u.s when it's really just independent bottling which is really popular in in uk but he he stood by it and he's bottled some yeah. incredibly innovative blends and he, he's kind of like he kind of propped up that side of the of the american whiskey industry in my eyes he did. And and the other side of it, too, is that once you're open and honest about what you're doing and, and that you're, you know, you're, you're sourcing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's actually allowing you to produce some fantastic whiskeys. And it does showcase the art of blending, which is which is an art and a craft of its own anyway. And it's I, I think people sometimes don't understand that, you know, this does these don't happen just by accident. Like for, for the Irish American Keepers Heart, Keepers Heart Irish American, it was actually about 120 to 140 different prototypes before we got to the one that we wanted. Wow. So it wasn't just something that on a Saturday afternoon, we decided we'd put this a little bit of this and a little bit of that together to come up with it. You know, it was, there's a lot of time and effort goes into the blending and that's what makes this role so exciting and, and, and so enjoyable as well. I think we should also mention uh, Kate Dorges because Kate has been a fantastic addition to the team as well. Kate came from Old Elk and she learned from uh, Greg Metz, who's another legendary master distiller from, he was he was uh, Seagram's at MGP before he moved to Old Elk. So she's had a fantastic number of years and she's a great distiller in her own right. So having her on board has been a massive help to us because what you have then is you have great experience coming in already and they're all eager and passionate about what we do so it's been great and we've hired we've hired three other people from um brewing backgrounds um eric patrick and jeff and they have just been amazing as well so we're really really lucky with the team that we have 
Yeah, I, lo I love the, all the different perspectives of, of experience that you're kind of bringing into the field, which I think it's going to lend really well to the to the whiskey that's produced. And we have some we, we have some friends down in the Colorado whiskey scene and ev everyone gives Kate such a glowing uh, re review. They just think that she's such a great talent and such an amazing person. So that's such a such a big ad for your team. Oh, big time, big time. We're, we are really fortunate to have have the team that we have. So it's, it's great. And, you know, everybody, as I tell, as I as I say to the team on a regular basis, every day is a school day. We all learn from each other. Yeah. And that's that's what makes all of this so enjoying as well, enjoyable as well, is that we're all learning as we go. And, you know, we're learning in all aspects of the business, not just from the distilling operation, but from launching a brand, getting into markets, bottling, everything is, 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 is great because there's always something new that you're learning. And I love that about it. I just want to come hang out, hang out there for a day or two, if that's yeah, possible. Be a fly like, on the wall. It sounds like a lot of. I'll just sit there with a notepad, just like taking notes. Yeah, but you should definitely come and visit because you know it's fifty, it's thirty thousand square feet, fifteen thousand square feet of distilling operations, and fifteen thousand square feet of hospitality, where wow. you have and like we have a main bar, we have a potato bar, we have a mezzanine, we've outdoor uh, seating with a container. Bar and then we've a, a lovely terrace up on the second floor as well so it's a great spot to come and have a few drinks and have a bit of food and try our whiskey because that's what we want people to do is try our whiskey we're really we're really proud of what we're producing we're really proud of the taste profile and what it's delivering and the versatility of the whiskey so we really just urge anybody that has the opportunity to taste it to go out and taste it <laughs> So if we were to come down and uh, would you give us a tour and show us the stills that from pictures I've seen, they look absolutely gorgeous. And uh, is there any nerdy info you can give us on the process? Like uh, do you, your ferment, your fermentation takes, are they open tops? Like that seems to be, you know, the new thing now is to have open tops. Um, and obviously the stills, is there any nerdy information that you can give us on those? Well, first of all, if you come down, definitely we'll take you on a tour. We'll also bring you through uh, a tasting and a component tasting of the whiskey. So what we do is we bring people through each of the components before they actually taste the final blend. And what that does is it gives people the opportunity to understand uh, where each of the flavors of the whiskey are coming from by tasting the individual components. And people find that very, very interesting and, and educational in with regard to the actual distillery itself, uh, we have a four-roller um, four mill that we're, we use to, to crush all of our grains. We have a mash cooker that has direct steam injection and coil cooling. Our louder ton is a 2,000-gallon louder ton. So it's two louder, two louder tons for one fermenter. So our fermenters are closed top. Um, I actually pushed to have closed top. I didn't want to have open top. Um, and we have four of them at the moment, which are 4,000 gallons each. We are currently, we have two more on the way. And we have another, we'll be ordering another three probably sometimes late this year. Well, our, our expectation from capacity point of view, when we started this journey first, we were looking at probably not exceeding 100,000 litres of pure alcohol until year four, year five of the operation. 
this is our first year of operating and we're going to be producing 277,000 litres of pure alcohol. And that's simply because there's been such a huge amount of interest around what we're doing. There's been such a huge interest in terms of getting keepers' heart into market that by the time our whiskies will be launched, we hope to be not alone statewide uh, with Keepers Heart Irish American and Irish Plus Bourbon, but we also hope to be outside of the States, as you say, in Canada, in Ireland and across Europe. So we wanted to make sure that we are laying down enough stock to be able to, to piggyback on the success of those brands with our own self-distilled whiskies as well. That's awesome. <clears throat> how do you feel once the, like, er, actually, how has the reception been of your product because it is a very new, obviously innovative style that's kind of hit the the U.S. and and they tend to be the like the bourbon community tends to be bourbon only type drinkers, right? Like it's hard to get them to to step outside the box to try something new sometimes, right? So I'm really curious. Like you're obviously, I'm, I'm sure you guys have all kinds of plans designed around introducing your your whiskey to everyone, but I'm curious how it's been received so far. So far, the reception has been extremely good. Uh, what we're trying to do is the, the real, the real uh, importance is for people to get to taste the liquid. So when we go into markets, we do crude rise where we do tastings in, in on-premise and off-premise. Uh, we're trying to go to as many whiskey events as we possibly can to give people the opportunity to taste our whiskey. Because sometimes people see Irish plus American and think it's a bit of a fad. And they're, they're a bit, I won't say suspicious, but they're just wondering what are we doing. But then when they get to taste the whiskey, they find that the actual quality of the whiskey is great. Um, it's a very easy sipping whiskey. It has some fantastic characteristics from both the, the uh, American rye and the pots, the Irish potzel and the Irish grain. And it's very versatile as well in terms of using it in, in cocktails. So it really does cover all aspects of, of where people's interests are in whiskey at, at this present time. So getting as many people as we can to, to taste the liquid, it, it has been very important. And anybody that has the reception has been, has been really, really good. And also growing some bartender advocacy around the different markets uh, for the way they want to experiment with it, not just using it as a, as a, as a sipping whiskey or on the rocks, but trying it in their cocktails. And we're finding that lots of uh, bars are beginning to put it into on their cocktail lists, particularly in an old-fashioned, which is really exciting and, and, and uh, uh, kind of showcases the versatility of the whiskey for us as well. So, yeah, all in all, has been extremely positive. Yeah, having that cocktail versatility, is, I feel, is an important box to check especially in like the, especially in the American whiskey realm, because that's a, a lot of, a lot of whiskey drinkers in, in the U S are, they, they drink their whiskey and cocktails more than they would drink it straight. So you, you need that versatility. Um, the, like the other thing working in your advantage is, is the branding. The branding is beautiful and it, it makes me, it makes me wonder where, where did the name keeper's heart come from? Well, Keeper's Heart came from, uh, there's a number of different aspects to the name. So I'll start with Keeper's. Keeper's is a nod to a number of different things, but mainly one of our biggest advocates for our brand and, and, and in order for our brand to be successful is, you know, a reach out to the, to the barkeep. It's also on a more emotional side. It's around, you know, I'm your brother's keeper, I'm your sister's keeper. Um, it also does give a nod to a place where in, in 
going back to old Irish castles where you kept your most prized possessions, you kept your most prized possessions in the keep. And that's where we bring people to do the tastings at the end of our tour. We bring them to our keep at the end at the end in, in our distillery. So that's where keepers keepers is at. Heart is around the heart of the distillate. So quality and nod to quality. Um, and keepers is a nod to quality as well. Keepers of quality and keepers of tradition. But heart is 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 around this the, the, the center cut of the third distillation and the heart to the to the actual um of the distillate itself. It also so is around the heart that everybody here puts into the, their roles at the distillery and the passion that they have behind the brand and the development of, of a, a space at O'Shaughnessy Distilling where people can come and spend moments together and enjoy moments together. So they're the two main, the, the, the two main reasons behind Keeper's Heart, the two main um, explanations around Keeper's Heart. You also have Fugit Aura on the side, which means the our, our flies, and that's a nod back to the O'Shaughnessy family crest. That was the motto on the O'Shaughnessy family crest. It's the hour flies, Fugidora. And that really is very reminiscent of, you know, it does, you, you, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Make sure you spend as much time as you can with people that you want to be with and enjoy those moments together. And also is a bit of a nod to around maturation as well. So there's lots of different Easter eggs and nuggets that you see within the, within the label itself. Like if you look closely at the label, there's two keys that are forming the hands of the clock and the keys of keeper's heart on the end of the keys. There's a little, at 12 o'clock, there's a little keep with a drop of whiskey as the window you know there's lots of different things on the label there was a lot of time and effort put into coming up with the with the label the brand name and even the design of the bottle and it's been great because that brought the team even closer together when we were doing it because there was many long evenings of discussion of how we get the right label how we get the right uh, brand name everything like that so it's been it's just been an amazing journey that's that's half the battle right you need to yeah. to appeal to people's eyes before you can appeal to their to their taste buds so um i think exactly. you guys did a you guys did a beautiful job you, you mentioned that the next two markets after after you kind of spread spread yourself around the united states you said ireland and canada i'm curious if there's any anxiety in you about about bringing it to ireland and and just because that's your home country obviously and you're bringing this entirely new product and or if there, if it's just pure excitement or or what yeah. I, I would say it's more excitement than, than anxiety, to be honest with you. I, I really think that it will be received well. I mean, we I have a, a lot of friends who have tried it. Um, and, you know, if you really want to know what people think, ask your friends, because they'll be the person that <laughs> yeah. people that will bring you down to earth and will give you an honest response. And so far, all of their responses have been extremely positive and extremely um, uh, complimentary of the taste uh, uh, of the whiskey, but also the versatility of the whiskey. So I'm, I'm excited for more people to try it. For me, the more people that try it, the better. Yeah. You're not gonna, you're not gonna have everybody will, uh, everybody loving it. But uh, so far, the majority of people, in fact, the very vast majority of people that have tasted it have really found it a very interesting whiskey and have uh, have really put it on their list of of, of go to whiskeys. You know. So Brian, Brian if I if okay. I took sorry if I took sixty percent pot still, thirty five percent rye. <laughs> 5% single grain, I'd probably be pretty close, eh? Try it. 
<laughs> I got calculations here. I'm just going to read your. Well, see, it, only took, it only it only took us between 120 and 140 iterations. So if you do it in one, you are some amazing person. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, we we love to. We'll do a segment where we call it pulling the bung, where we just ask you kind of some some lightning round like questions. So let's uh, let's fire it away, Sean. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Are you threatening me, Dick? That's not a threat. What? That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. What do you want to know? What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm worried. <laughs> you're worried or you're ready? I'm not worried. I'm not ready. I'm worried. <laughs> okay, okay. That's fair. Okay, here we go. Favorite color of t-shirt? Green. <laughs> All right. Um, favorite Irish whiskey outside of the Middleton brands? Cheapest half Irish American. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, favorite Irish food? Oh, fish and chips. Right on. Now that you're living in the U.S., um, are you learning to play hockey? No, but watching it. <laughs> okay, well, one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your least favorite style of whiskey? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot. Flavored. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Flavored whiskey. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good answer. Um, all right. One celebrity you'd like to have a dram with? Michael Stipe. Okay. Nice. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Just got one. Right on. Oh, what, what kind of dog? A golden doodle. Oh, nice. We were told he was going to be a medium golden doodle, but at the rate he's grown, I'd say he's going to be a giant golden doodle. <laughs> I think that, that tends to happen. They're, they're yeah. gentle giants, though. They just, they, just make, they just make up a size and hope that they're right, and they just keep growing until they stop. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure this is miniature, and then... Yeah, yeah exactly. In the designer dog world, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. yes. Uh, favorite cask type? Love a Malaga wine cask. Okay, cool. Oh, cool. And your favorite area in Ireland? Cork. The real capital. The real <laughs> capital. Okay, right on. All right, that's, nice. that concludes the bung round. Thank you. <laughs> you... How old are your kids, Brian? Are they going to uh, possibly get into ice hockey, do you think? Maybe now that they're over there? I have, I have a 15-year-old girl, uh, a, a girl who turns 13 in, in, in May, and my boy who turns 8 in April. And they're, they're getting into all of the different sports. My eldest has started lacrosse. Oh, yeah. uh, Sarah. So Faye has started uh, softball and Brian is actually starting flag American football in the next couple of weeks, but he's, he's mad to get into some ice hockey as well. So it'll be interesting to see. 
Yeah, good for him. You're on like Minnesota is almost more Canadian than Canadians. Like they are, <laughs> they have they have our like the the accent you see that's usually made fun of in in Hollywood. It's actually Minnesota's accent, <laughs> not Canada. And I actually, I, I have to say, I went to see a wild game last Thursday night. Um, oh, nice. And it was like the atmosphere was fantastic. It really a, was. Not, really enjoyed yeah. it. It's a great atmosphere there, and they're they, they're playing the lights out the last couple of years. So yeah, should be yeah yeah should be a fun environment in that city once playoffs comes next next month. So yes, I'll be I'll be driving. I'll actually be driving past Minnesota to to head down to Iowa to see my uh, to see my wife's parents next week. So oh. I'll uh, I'll wave from the from Highway Nine. I'll even dro- drop in drop in for uh, uh, to say hello. Well, we're thinking, we're actually thinking about coming up to Minneapolis for a day. So I might have to, if, if we do, I'll definitely look or uh, definitely get in contact with you. So uh, that'd be cool. Come by for lunch and, and a dram yeah. and a tour, but um, I don't, you guys got anything else to, to ask or add? I, my, my one uh, nerdy question that I didn't get to is when you're talking about the triple distilled bourbon, I know, are, are you already making and laying down some of that stuff and what if you are what's it tasting like so far so we haven't started to lay that down yet because one of the things that we need to do with that is we have all of our ferment our all of our pots at the moment can only deal with um liquid only uh, distillations so we have bought a reboiler an external reboiler for the wash still that we will be able to do a grains in first distillation. And that's going to be key with the bourbon one because what we need to make sure is we don't get any burn on. So we need a reboiler that has some good turbulence through it that we can recirculate without actually causing burn on, which would which would ultimately taint the flavor of the distillate. So we're most likely going to be producing that in the start of Q3 to the middle of Q3 of 2022. Okay, so what's been the majority of the cast you're laying down early on then? So at the moment, it's all American single pot still. So we'll switch to we'll switch to rye in May, um, which is a couple of weeks away. So we'll probably switch in the middle of May to to the rye and then do a campaign of the rye and then start on the on, on the bourbon later on. Very cool. And what's the what's the do you are you revealing the mash bill of the single pot still? The mash bill, the, the single mash bill, uh, the, 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 the mash bill of the single pot still is 50-50. Oh, you know 50-50? 50-50? 50% malted and, and 50% unmalted barley, yeah. Uh, we, haven't used any, we haven't used any adjuncts in it yet, but we might do, we, we, we'll obviously do a few runs with some different adjuncts and different percentages of adjuncts as well. Yeah, yeah. Are you noticing, uh, like, or is the all the barley sourced in the United States, I assume? Yeah, it's sourced as, as close to the Midwest region as it possibly can be. Are, are you um, noticing a difference between the, the malted on to new make compared to what's produced in Ireland at all? It's definitely a different new make because we're also going for a heavier style of new make simply because we're putting it into virgin American oak barrels. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that the virgin American oak barrels don't get become too intense for it. So we want, yeah. uh, we want the distillate to be able to stand up to it. So we've gone for a heavier style, which is which is which is working out to be very good. If I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think the combination, like the just having that new new american charred oak and just that that cask activity with uh with the irish 
style malted on Mars. Like, I, I think it's going to be a really, really cool combination. I'm yeah, on. like we, we've oh, yeah. even like we've been watching it now. We've been monitoring it off since like we've laid down our first bars probably in September, the early September, and we're just sampling there, and the progression is going well. You know, so that's good. Yeah, it's given me ideas on how to experiment with my own whiskey. I'm just going to be pouring different mixtures each night now. Trying exactly. To find it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can pour, you should make a blend of whiskey types in your mini cask, Sean. Oh, I should. Yeah. Uh, Keeper's Heart mini cask. Something that we're actually doing with Keeper's Heart actually is that we're doing um, single barrel offerings for off prem. And they're they're turning out to be a treat. We're finishing in we're finishing Keeper's Heart blend at Cast Strength in you know Virgin American oak barrels, refill rye barrels, stout barrels, okay. um, maple syrup barrels, and some other wine interesting wine barrels. And then we're offering it at either Cast Strength or 110 proof. And the reaction has been great so far. So long may it continue. Well, I'll, I'll maybe that's what I'll have to do. Yeah, I'll when, to, when you when, use some maple syrup in my cask first, my two liter <laughs> mini barrel, and then it's actually very interesting. Very interesting when the impact that the maple syrup gives on the whiskey. I, I wasn't that familiar at all with with the use of maple syrup barrels, but we we did an experiment um, a few months back, and to be honest with you, we created a great addition to the, the to the keeper's heart DNA with the with the impact that the maple syrup had. It brought a lovely creme brulee and some caramelized sugars to the whiskey, and it also enhanced the overall mouthfeel due to that syrupy nature of the of the maple syrup for which the whiskey was finishing in. So it was it was class, it really. Is the thing you have to be careful of is that you don't go too far and it becomes like a, a, a a barrel aged cocktail, and you still want to maintain the whiskey. So, we're fine. we found that it was only a month and a half that we needed to mature it and not finish it in for. Yeah, as long as you're as long as you're not aging it too long, like you said, it's actually kind of interesting the the flavor profile you can pull out of a of a maple syrup barrel. When you think that it would just pull straight sweetness, it actually doesn't. It pulls some really cool yeah. profiles out. It's it was, and that surprised me to be honest. I I wasn't expecting a lot from it. Um, and what was interesting was after the first kind of two to three weeks, you weren't getting a lot, but once it hit a month and it went into a month and uh, towards a month and a half, it was, it really was just right. So really impressed with it. No, well, I think, I think that's cool. Cause I think the, the innovation needs to just continue at, in every, in every angle. And it seems yeah. to be what, what you guys are, are there to do push, kind of push the limits in, in the U S and create some really cool products. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to hear and, and, and I'm really grateful that you came on with us today, Brian, honestly, you're, uh, you're someone question. that I really appreciate it. It's great to get the opportunity to talk about what we're doing and, you know, to, to explain to people what, what makes our whiskey taste so good and really entice people to go and out and try it, you know, go and try our whiskey and see what you think. Oh, absolutely. And there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Irish whiskey drinkers up here. So I think it's a product that'll do really well in Canada. And, and I'm excited for, for when those discussions and, and chats start around launching here. So we'll definitely have to keep in touch until that point yeah. and, and help until you out the, when it until comes. Then, until then, they can just send us one of those Keeper's Heart single casks and we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> They'll tie us over until we're exactly. ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, yeah, we should do Keeper's Heart Club 
just a club release. That's it. We could uh, easily drain a cask in the meantime. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll beat everybody over the head like I always do with Irish whiskey. Get a little bit of a twist on it. Uh, thanks a lot, Brian. No yeah, worries, guys. Thanks a minute. Yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Thanks. Take care. Talk, talk soon. Bye bye. Good night. Hey, thanks again for checking out Lost in Translation. If you like what you hear, take a second to subscribe to the show and let all your friends know about this wonderful, educational, and entertaining podcast. If you want to connect with the show, check out parkwhiskeysociety.com. You can connect with each of us on Instagram at pws.media, Edmonton Scott Club, YEG Whiskey Nights, and Dark Cloud Whiskey. Also check out uh, the YouTube channel, Lost in Translation, for show clips. If you want to email us, you can email us at lostintranslation at gmail.com. Thanks again, everyone, and have a good one.